It's CeeLo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion. Niggas ain't ready for revolution. Power to the people because the people want peace. It's the Review a New Podcast. I'm your host, DJ, and this is the podcast where we typically look back at filmographers that we grew up with as fans of and, and analyze their works as adults. But today we have a special request from Dr. Goatman. Thank you very much for your Kofi request. Uh, and, and they requested Judas and the Black Messiah. And if you want to request a song, movie, or album for me to review, you can always hit that Kofi link for a one-time donation. Uh, I should have the link there in the link tree wherever you're listening to this podcast. And today we have a very special guest who we're going to try to have on uh, for future episodes when we when we can get them. Uh, let the lovely people know who you are and where they can find out what you do. What to do, baby? My name is Will, aka Will the Greatest. <laughs> um, that is where you can find me on YouTube and Instagram under the name Will the Greatest. Uh, I wish greatness upon everybody. But um, yeah, I, I am glad to be here, man. I appreciate you having me on to talk about a, a very interesting and serious uh, dramatic depiction of uh, or interpretation of uh, some very real life and relatable and serious uh, events. But, very much so. Uh, yeah, uh, I make... Uh, I make videos as well, and uh, I also have my own podcast. The Ace Podcast, where we talk all things art, culture, and entertainment, So, uh, but more specifically mm. pop culture entertainment. So a lot of, lot of nerd stuff. You know, we'll talk Marvel, we'll talk DC, but sometimes we'll talk some, uh, some other things that are interesting in the news. Today, we are talking about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. What a name. Uh, just off the bat, like, <laughs> I didn't know what this movie was going to be about. Like, I've known about the life of, uh, Fred Hampton mm-hmm. for a while, because I remember a couple of years ago, there was a documentary that came out, uh, I think it was oh, PBS. Was it on? Yes, it was PBS. Yeah. yeah and I remember saying, yeah, because it was around the time when someone told me, yo, you know, there's a bunch of documentaries on there for free. And I checked that one out. And yeah, I think you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Because that was where I actually haven't uh, seen it. I think I have it. I think I actually have it saved. How was it? I hear it's oh, very, very good. Look at you. Oh, it was very good. It it, it like detailed so much stuff. It, it you know when a de- documentary details stuff in a way that you're like, hey, then why is this still an issue? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, if you guys are able to document the shit and see how fucked up the police are, why do we still have to deal with it? Right, <laughs> you know. Right. It's like, um, why is that broken clock still broken? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, you know, you. Oh, well, <laughs> I think we're about to get into yeah. a bit of this spicy conversation as we go. Through. You know what? Let's just fucking get it started. So, yeah, we got this movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. I saw that name, and I was just thinking, like, oh, okay, we're clearly going to have, like, a, a, you know, biblical reference going on here. Oh, like, it's a black movie, okay, in, you know, modern-day black movie. Oh, is it going to be, like, you know what I'm saying? How's Mm -hmm. this going to go? You know? (laughs) I was like, is it going to be? But it's like, oh, I hear it's about, like, a historical thing. So, okay, maybe they're going to, you know, it's going to be, like, a, you know black tragedy movie you know what i'm saying like oh right. look at what black people have gone through and isn't it so sad oh god and another antebellum that oh. exactly oh. and oh. it kind of oh. is that but it gives you so much of like the reality of the black people right. at this time in their experience that it's like no but that's what this is what you're supposed to do you know it's not just supposed to be oh what was these people it's supposed to be like this is what these people are thinking this is what they're going through this is the reality this is how they're fighting back this is what they're having to deal and i love that this movie gives you that in such 
uh, uh, a real charged way that I feel like so many other movies recently did not. In fact, yeah. in a way that I feel like, uh, um, as I was watching this movie, I felt that uh, Spike Lee's well recent effort before uh, the Five Bloods. Because uh, I actually think the Five Bloods was was really good, if not a little yeah uh, long. I, I think we talked <laughs> about that in a, in a separate conversation, but um, yeah, like, yeah. Like the, the Five Bloods <laughs> is surprisingly um pretty pretty good for like a modern Spike Lee take. But I guess in reference to this movie, uh, I I got to second what you were saying. It, it does a good job at, at not only humanizing, but kind of giving you a lot of insight into the yeah. perspective of like the young revolutionary young revolutionaries at the time. Um, and kind of what their just day-to-day lives were like. And that's something that I don't think a lot of movies kind of do. In t- they they, so they point right. you to the big figures. So it's like Martin Luther King, the life of Malcolm X. And it's like, mm-hmm. and we have like the PBS of Fred Hampton, but not like a, we haven't really had like a dedicated Black Panther film outside in of fact, the I Black remember, Panther yeah, when film. I, when I was watching that documentary, I kind of felt like, this is such a fascinating story. Why isn't this a movie yet? So as I was mm-hmm. seeing this unfolding and realizing what it was, like, oh, they're not just tangentially telling stuff. No, this is about that. I was like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and oh, But uh, at, uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, in a way that I feel like, uh, oddly enough, Spike Lee, when he did Black Klansman a couple years ago, yeah. feels like it didn't hit the marks that this movie is hitting with mm. pinpoint accuracy. Mm. In a way that's just like, get holy you. shit. This is exactly what I was missing. This was the digging in to the reality of of what black people were dealing with that I feel like I wasn't getting with the Black Klansman uh, film. Um, so let's just lay out the plot, and I think we can kind of we can kind of get into it. So yeah. we start off with Lakeith Stanfield, who is personally like my favorite actor right now. He's like he's he, fantastic. Uh, so funny story. Um, I ran yeah. into Lakeith Stanfield at San Diego Comic-Con, like, oh, three shit. years ago. <laughs> and I was, cool. like, waiting to get into a party, and I, he's, everything you see about him on social media, it's just true. Um, <laughs> it was, this was around the time Sorry to Bother You came out, which I still believe. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was. And he we was, reviewed that on this podcast, it was fantastic. Yes, that movie was snubbed for Best Original Screenplay, and I will die on that hill. Yep. Um. Yep. But he's like, nice guy, talked for a little bit. But what was funny was he didn't leave regular. He didn't say bye. We we stopped talking. He walked into the street, got in a black truck, and disappeared into the night. I'm convinced he went into mm-hmm. a portal. But no, uh, in the movie, he's, again, stellar performance. Um, William O'Neill, as a character, gave me a lot of conflicting feelings in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> No fucking doubt. Um, man, the, this is such a good character piece of a film. Like, just showing all of these people living in th- the world of the early 70s mm-hmm. right after the civil rights movement, right? Like, because I feel so much like the way history is framed. It's like, uh, yeah, sure, we were treating black people bad before. We weren't really thinking about it. Oh, and then the civil rights happened, and, and okay, now we're treating black people good, and, and everything was fine after that, so don't say yep. it. You know, like... <laughs> there was nothing bad is... from 1965 <laughs> yeah, to, to 1997. Right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in 2008, black people just got mad for no reason. I don't know what's going on. Well, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> What about Reagan? Uh, it's just breeze past that. Yeah. 
I thought Reagan solved everything. If you just waited around, the, the wealth would trickle down to you. You know what? <laughs> it's just like the Ghostbusters yeah. told me. <laughs> we'll be rich. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got Lakeith Stanfield, like I said. Great actor. I loved him in, uh, what's that? Knives Out. Loved him in. Oh, he was Sorry great. to bother you. Uh, Atlanta. Like, literally everything I've seen him in, it's always just like, oh my God, I want to see what he's Because he just has this sort of like, magnetic sort of like the way he acts is mm. so real to certain things like he'll do little things that are like where he'll mess up something but he does it in such a way that doesn't feel like it's a distraction and then it's like oh this is someone just doing something because that makes him look like a character who's doing something it feels so ingratiated into yeah. the reality of what the performance is uh best example that I can give for what I'm thinking of is like there's a couple of scenes in this movie where there's always you know a scene where okay someone who's an informant has to you know he's pretending to be someone else and he gets confronted by people who are like hey wait a minute are, are, are you are you a cop what's really going on here and you know in all these movies there's always like uh no I'm not a cop I uh, uh looks around nervously yeah. and twitches uh uh my name is uh Fan Mick computer face, like you know, just looking at things around, and the, it's always so clear. Too... Like, okay, in in real life, someone would notice that they're bullshitting and like shoot him in the fucking face. Yeah, but like the way he plays the scene is so like you as an audience member can see the tension in his face, but it's so realistically portrayed in how he goes. Like, oh no, 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 that's because of this. Oh no, 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 that's because of that. It's in such a naturalistic way where it's like, like certain scenes that are like, oh, this is a cliche of this type of movie. Ah, but he makes it so real in that moment that it's like, holy fuck, I really like what he's doing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? His acting so, and the cinematography help kind of escalate the the absolutely. tension of um, any any kind of scenario he's in. Because there's there's a every just about every sequence in this movie has an additional kind of socio political layer on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Or so, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so like in, in the scene you're referring to just kind of with the opening and everything um, of him just uh, impersonating a, an officer of the law. Um, mm-hmm. It's there's, there's the tension of us following this uh, protagonist, you know, uh, Bill O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and him like, it's like, Oh, he's, he's a cop. Oh, Oh, he's not a cop, but it's like right. inner city Chicago in like what was it the early 70s late 60s so it's yeah. like that's that is tension all in itself just from the implication alone it's like absolutely you can make a whole movie off just that <laughs> the, the intro of because like with it okay so yeah to set it up Lakeith Stanfield is you know some ne'er-do-well some some uh you know fucking punk who's some miscreant uh, yeah, who's figured out that okay, you can you can fuck with people and get their cars and shit uh, if you if you just go like, oh yo, I'm a fucking officer, uh, uh, I'm a FBI agent, and you know we got to report you stolen this car. And he's mainly doing this in you know black poor neighborhoods yep. where you know most people aren't gonna fight back, right? So there's already this person who's outside of the law abusing the authority that this. Yeah, sociopolitical entity is, you know, taking advantage of, but, like, on its own time, right? <laughs> right, right. So it's just kind of like, pe- black people, especially in, you know, Chicago in the 70s, aren't uh, on the best relationship with the police. But you also don't want to be beat by a police, and that's kind of like, there's... You have the cultural layer of, like, oh, black man, black man, you know, I can trust him. Oh, no, black man, black cop. Now there's, like, a, a, a layer of trust, like, let's just do what he says. It's like, let me see your yeah. keys, you know, let me, 
let me get your keys. Da 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 da. So it's just like, what does he need my keys for? What does he need my license for? It's just like, what? Why is he acting yeah. out of character? But then again, you cut to actual cops abusing their power. <laughs> so right. <laughs> um, not not to be timely. Let's put but, in perspective. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like it happens, <laughs> and so they're just like, okay, another run of the mill dirty cop who happens to be black. You know, screw this guy. Nope. Yeah, he's and, and I love how. Yeah, and I love how early in the movie, um, what is it? When he's when we're not aware of what's happening yet, and you know we're just thinking, oh, he's just some cop. You know, someone says like, oh man, what's up with the FBI? Uh, what's up with the FBI arresting a nigga over a car? What y'all ran out of niggas to assassinate? And I love that line because <laughs> it's like you know, of course, yeah, within the context of this movie about a character who's going to be killed, like yeah, of course that. But it's just like that is just so real about how what people would have just fucking said like. Oh, really? I'm just running out of these to assassinate? Huh? You're just fucking with us now? Right. You know? And so it's like, in the context of the movie, oh, yeah, you know that line's got to be there. But in the reality of where this is, it's like, oh, yeah, of course everyone's thinking this. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, like all this shit is still fresh on people's minds. Yeah. And so uh, uh, he, he he jacks the car, um, uh, is able to run out before people can get to him. But, you know, he, he gets into the car and, like, like two two of the dudes like start banging on the window. One of the dudes rips through the this yeah, movie through is so the, like the ceiling. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh. So he just said, this movie is so action packed for a historical drama, you know? Because <laughs> yeah, you have those moments and they're like such like it's not like an action movie scene. It's like that gritty John oh. Wick sort of yeah. like holy shit, this is really happening and this motherfucker could get stabbed through his shit. <laughs> Right the fuck now, he better fucking handle this guy. You know what I mean? Like, Declan you get real Wish. tense moments. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really fucking cool. And so, you know, he gets away from those guys, but then as soon as he, like, turns the corner, oh, you see the blue and whites flashing, right? So, oh, fuck, he's been caught. It, and it reminds me of that uh, that picture of um, the cops arresting the pig, and it's like, wait, I'm one of you! What are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's kind of the thought process. No, wait! <laughs> Shit! They got me. Right. <laughs> um... And then there's a uh, there's him at the precinct. I think that's where the initial offer uh, begins yes. with um man. Uh, so it's homeboy from Breaking Bad and I, uh, Jesse Plemons. It's it's the, the the Philip Seymour Hoffman looking dude. Um yes, the dude who plays Roy. Yes, that, yes. yeah, that's Jesse Plemons. He, um, so oh yeah, we get we get uh Roy, and we get um. What's his Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover, and I hated. Is that who that is? That was Martin Sheen, <laughs> and I hated every breath that came from his face, just like actual J. Edgar Hoover. Right. And I'm like, this is phenomenal. <laughs> Yo, this man was a straight up movie villain. <laughs> he was. But then that's like, he, he, like that's how J. Edgar Hoover was. And, and the thing is, like, it so feels like a, a 70s black exploitation movie of, you know, the bad guy, the man who's pounding his fist on the desk going, I want that black revolutionary, you know, yep. off the streets, God damn it, yep. you know? But it's like, but that was really happening because it was really mad about this shit. <laughs> okay, spoilers, because we're going to be getting into this shit, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we got it. I mean, spoilers for predominantly real life. History. Yeah. Spoilers for history, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, but the reality is, like, as I'm watching this movie, you just think about it, like, you know, okay, you think about that title as you're watching this movie, right? It's called Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm -hmm. Okay, we know it's going to be about this guy 
who's setting things up to make, you know, the Black Panthers fail. And there is that prominent quote of like, oh, we've got to keep there from being a black messiah and, you know, amongst the black people. You know what I'm saying? And so it just immediately brings to mind, it's like, so even the government knew that, like, because, you know, when you say black messiah, it's not just like, oh, there's just going to be a black guy who's just going to make people get angry about the government being, you know, Black people not getting enough. No, there's like a material reason why a messiah needed to happen. It's because people were being oppressed and treated like shit. And I don't know, government, maybe if you like address that and, you know, maybe gave reparations or something, you wouldn't need to worry about a black messiah. Which, (laughs) like, oh, it's just so. Trying to do that. The title of this movie just so brings that to the forefront of like, wow, the reason that like in biblical times there was a messiah is because these people were being oppressed and all this shit. And it's like, hmm. ah, time's a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, it's, there, there's a, there, there's almost a sense, of, not so much, uh, I don't know if irony is the right word, but it's just like, um, like a, almost like cognitive dissonance of just like acknowledging yes. the fact that we don't was like we don't want a black messiah ergo you know we don't want a black man to go and save them from the tyranny that we have wrought so yeah let's kill him <laughs> like they did the other one yeah it's like <laughs> you fucking idiots that's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah you dumb sons of bitches it's, it's, that's, <laughs> that's what it is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy it's like you're calling him a savior figure whose legacy will live on throughout the sands of time and history and lo and behold what exactly played out it's like and and like i said it's like you know it's uh, so many times in movies i feel like especially with historical stuff like this we don't get what the bad guys of history are really doing right right? it's just black people reacting to the reality of not being treated equally instead of well who's the person who's doing this because this isn't just something time like you know they very easily could have treated black people well at this time, but they decided not to no, no, <laughs> because let's... of their fucking ignorance and not wanting to have to own up to their bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, on the one hand, very much that, but also just, like, the the power of divisiveness. That's something, and, and as we kind of go more into the movie oh, yes. and more of the characteristics yep. of Fred Hampton, that was something that kind of blew my mind is I'm like, oh, my God. Like, the levels of unity that were there. Mm. And I'm like, I, yes. I was like, this is nuts. Like, even by today's it's, standards. Like, I remember, oh, so there's an infamous scene in this where um, Fred Hampton and, and a couple of his boys go to a, you know, a, a good old uh, hillbilly yep. white boy rally. And, you know, they, when the scene opens up on them, the white people, you know, you see this big uh, Confederate flag. But if you listen, they're legitimately talking about their grievances as poor mm-hmm. white people, right? Like, you know, economically what they're dealing with and like, oh, these, you know, these rich people are trying to like do all this and da da da. And Fred Hampton, you know, he comes in, he's like, I hear what you guys are going through. And I think that we're also going through the same thing. And uh, why aren't we working together? <laughs> and it was just like, and I loved how it unfolded because the arguments that uh, one of the guys stands up and he makes an argument that you hear like, even now, right? One of the Black Panthers says, he's just like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, there's a reality. is like, your people own and my people, and da-da-da. And one guy stands up and says, hey, my family didn't own shit. My people were poor. They were uh, sharecroppers, you know, and farmers and all this. And, you know, another Black Panther says, yeah, and overseers for the master. And, you know, some people start, you know, white people going like, oh, who the fuck do you think you are? And then Fred Hampton, like, comes down and says, like, yeah, but here's a question. What if the overseers had banded together with the slaves and took down the master? 
So maybe listen to what I got to say next, because uh, aren't all our kids getting the same shitty education and resources? So maybe we could talk it. I was like, yo, like the way he just finesses it to be like, do you understand what I'm trying to ultimately do here? It's like, it's like we literally have the, it's like we have the same problems in different yeah. places. Like in, in it, it's, I mean, you, you know where I live. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, it's the. And a sense of identity that's put in place to try to divide us, yep. right? Like, that is what his point was it, uh, with that guy earlier. He's just like, well, you know, you black people got your problems and we got our problems. Like, no, no, they're actually the same. It's the same problem. Yeah. One is yeah. in the forest, <laughs> one is in the city. That's that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I love that this movie, like doesn't shy away from like the realities of what these conversations were at the time and how they're still prevalent today because these issues are so have gone unaddressed. You know what I'm saying? Um, I agree. Now getting back. Yeah. Now getting back into the plot. So, uh, he, he's, uh, like Stanfield is in the, in the interrogation room talking with, uh, Roy and he says to him, you know, uh, you know, why, how come you didn't use like a gun to boost cars? Why are you, you know, get, getting a, using a badge. Like, why why this extra stuff? And he goes like, well, you know, when you got a badge, it's like you got a fucking army behind you. Yep. It's like, what is anybody going to do if you flash a badge? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's, and it's, it makes a good fucking point. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's way worse to, to kill someone with a badge than just a dude with a gun. Right. <laughs> and then it's a very interesting thing where it's like, you know how in movies... Someone will be having a conversation and a question a question will be asked and it doesn't get answered in a way that really like that directly answers that person's question. Yeah. But it so informs you about what's happening like on a deeper level, you know, that you're just like, oh, OK, I'm OK with that question not being answered because then we just got this shit in replace of it, you know. So, yeah, he says, um, you know, he says, uh, were, were you uh, upset when Dr. King was murdered or something like that? And it's just like, uh. You know, Lakeith said, was like, what, what's this question to just ask a random black person? What's like, what does this have to do with like, anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, well, you know, I guess when I think about it, I, I was kind of, I don't know. And he's like, well, well, were you one of those people that was mad when, uh, you know, Malcolm X was murdered? You know, I was like, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. And, uh, and you know, I, I feel like that plays into the reality of like, you know, because when you think about it today, it's like, what? How come these black people at the time weren't thinking about this? But it's like. You know, with any political event as it's happening, like, the reality of what it is doesn't really impress upon everybody. Right. You know what I mean? And so, you know, yeah, here's this black guy saying, like, I mean, you know, I get it. Yeah. And what's funny is that, like, it's such an awkward thing to ask. But for this white guy, a part of the police, oh, that feels like a naturalistic thing to ask. Because, like, yeah. well, are you... You black people aren't getting too scary on us, are you? You're not thinking of anything, aren't you? Like, with him asking this question, he's literally saying, like, you know, I mean, all but saying, are you one of those radical blacks? He's, you know, like, exactly. did you see how that black guy was treated? You're not too mad about it, right? You're not going to raise any hell, are you? <laughs> you know? He's, he's, he, yeah, it's just trying to suss out uh, Bill O'Neill through just very, very basic questions. Like, who do you align yourself with? Where are your allegiances lie? Because like, it's like, if it's more towards black people than towards yourself then that jail time seems a little bit more realistic but if you're exactly if your decisions are a little bit more self-influenced might be able to do roy is a really interesting character in this movie because yes you can't really tell where his morality lies i think he is such an interesting character as a uh 
you know, uh, all right, I'm this guy who's tasked to do a job. I'm working for the government. Mm -hmm. This is the right thing to do, right? Like, working for the government to stop terrorists. That's what I'm doing, and that is good. And as the movie goes on, certain things get revealed to him that he didn't know before that ends up being that sort of thing where, like, well, I'm working with this organization, and this is what we're doing. (laughs) You know, it's like the tacit acceptance of, like, well, this is my job, and... You know, you other person who is working for me, you might not like how this turned out, but look, this is the job now, so... And it's so... It's such a fascinating character play with how it plays out. Because, right. you know... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, uh, fuck it, we'll get into it in a minute. There's definitely things that, that arise where it's like... What do you have to tell yourself if you're, if you're in a position of power? What are the right. things that you have to tell yourself to allow yourself to be comfortable with the with the things that you're about to do. Yeah, because the reality of how this situation plays out is when you think about like a terrorist organization, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like what we normally think of how it goes is there's this terrorist organization and they're doing bad stuff and maybe they've got some good ideologies or whatever, but the point is it leads to bad stuff. So they got to be stopped no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Yes. And so the government is a good guy for stopping those terrorists. But then... As you see this story unfold, the way it like it, uh, it implicates th- the way the FBI works is so fucking fascinating. It's like the way the FBI is is, is running itself, especially during this time of, of like high tension post Dr. King, post Malcolm X. It's yes, it's not that it's it's specifically strategic, but in a way where it's like only the people at like the top top kind of know like there are people that uh, are probably on the same page with like the j edgar hoovers but yeah well j edgar hoover's like the he's the big bad of the the movie let's just say it the true villain (laughs) my god president is a bad guy can you believe it my god it was the u.s (laughs) government the entire time always was always was (laughs) but yeah so now okay so let's get into shit for a second right yeah yeah so the movie starts with uh, um, Daniel Kaluuya playing uh, uh, Fred Hampton, and it's a scene where someone's introducing him, and he looks so fucking cool. But he's just like kind of slumped to the side, just kind of looking like, "No, nah, I see what's going on, mm-hmm. but I'm about to fucking lay out what, what I'm thinking," you know? Like <laughs> yeah. as the camera like shows him, and and uh, the woman before him is saying like, "You know, we got this school renamed to like the Martin Luther King." school or the Malcolm X school or something like that and people are like applauding it like whoa yeah you know we're making little strides and stuff like that and he's like all right you know he gets up and he goes like yeah these are some nice gestures and stuff like that to get like a building renamed but uh you know we're still being sent as unquestioning drones to die in a war in Vietnam that clearly isn't about our safety for a country that doesn't even give a shit about us that just got done using us for free labor so what is freedom for us really speak on it Fred (laughs) all right And it just so, like, as soon as I saw that playing out, it's just like, oh, wow, it's always got to be like, because wasn't there something like a couple of, a couple of months ago, there was a thing where, where, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter thing Mm -hmm. was really popping off. And, you know, uh, people who are in power, you know, people start kind of sitting around and going like, hey, 
hey, you people in power, you know this is happening. How come you aren't doing anything? And uh, I remember in D.C., it was like the mayor uh, furled out something that was like, oh, we're Ooh. renaming some street next yeah, to the, Black, the like White Black House. Lives Matter Way or something like that. Yeah, Black Lives um, Matter Way. I was like, The senators that's... with the kente cloth. I'm like, the fucking symbolic. Oh, my God. The, the entire... <laughs> <laughs> unasked for debate amongst voice actors saying i will never voice another character of color again i'm like that's right. not what we're talking about the yeah oh, oh uh what, what was it uh when hulu or whoever the heck it was said, we're was not gone. airing these racist movies anymore <laughs> clap for us aren't we being so progressive it's like you know if you just paid your workers fairly no one would care right just pay your fucking work <laughs> yeah so so fred hampton kind of it's i think what one of the interesting things as we're going through the plot is just l acknowledging the echoes of a lot of the conversation piece that happened so like in, in that scene of like fred mm. hampton's introduction of just kind of the statement of like it, like that's a nice symbolic gesture it's nice to, it's like mm. cool you have a school you know you have a school named martin luther king jr uh middle school or high school or whatever but what is the quality of the education there? You know, is it yeah. something beneficial to the community? We at the Black Panther Party are saying that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he speaks with such that that seventies, uh, you know, uh, black bravado. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yes. Now I've just learned about all this. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I learned the intricacies of how the white man's fucking me over, so I ain't gonna stand for this shit no more. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Shit, my very, fucking mic fell. <laughs> Very good. It was, the uh, strength. So impassioned. it was the strength of that black passion. <laughs> you are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. The, oh, uh, no, but I really do love how this movie, it really does give due time to the philosophies and, and material things that, like, Fred Hampton's ideas are based on and what he's going for, you know? It's mm -hmm. not just giving you a by-the-numbers, here's this guy, and he was a perfect guy who's doing all of these things. It's like, no, here is his philosophies and why he is the motivated character who's going to do all of these things. I love that. I love that it really gave you who he was. I love that for so long, the Black Panthers have always been treated like, well, I mean, you know, they're these radicals. Sure, they want to do nice things, but, you know, they're, they're radical, they're radical. But when it shows uh, Fred Hampton in, like, specific key scenes where he's going to meet with, like, gang leaders and stuff like that, he tells his boys, like, give me all your guns, put them right here, yep. we're not... We're not gonna pop off if shit, if shit. No, we're going in like respectfully and to show them that we're bringing peace. You know what I mean? Uh, right. So yeah, they go down t to this one club that's run by a group of uh, a, a gang the called the uh, yeah the Crowns, and you know they're just passing out flyers like you know. And Fred Hampton was very commanding voice. He's like. You know, uh, uh, first free breakfast, then free healthcare, then free education. Next thing you know, you don't free yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And he's bringing it together. And, and again, like he's talking in this way that's like, if you don't realize what his master plan is, it sounds like a street hustler. <laughs> yeah, but as soon it, as he like does. listen, yeah. But it's like as soon as you listen to what he's doing, he's just like, no, we're trying to give your children food, clothing, and shelter. Like. Right now, we're not just trying to do it at a at a charity event or or during the holidays when it looks nice. We're trying to give people like the foundational tools that they need to be able to you know live their lives because like that's a reality. If you got free breakfast, if you've got a meal at the beginning of the day, you're already okay. I don't have to worry about where food's coming from. Okay, right. so now I can focus on what the next task. You know what I mean? Like right, okay, like free, free healthcare. Meal, okay, education, healthcare. The 
the philosophy that that he was using was i mean we and we get the sequence of like a william o'neill in them in like the education classes where he's discussing discussing his philosophy coming from oh yeah i love that yeah. i love that yeah. was it communism or was it marxism i think it was marxism uh i think it was communism i think it, uh, no i think it was marxism the communist handbook i think you're right yeah um but his philosophy was founded more on an idea at least the way i interpreted it was of collaboration not democracy in the sense where it's like it's not the black panthers are taking over this gang and this crew and this crew no no it's the panthers working with the crowns working with the puerto ricans working with the mm-hmm. young white whatever they were called <laughs> um, the hillbilly dudes yeah the, the hillbilly <laughs> brothers <laughs> from down the way yeah. um his was a collaborative effort and i think that's what made it that is the hypothetical spirit of america a bunch of different motherfuckers coming together mm-hmm. and working towards a common goal of hey people need to eat people need education people need health care and that's yeah when you look at the reality yeah when you look at the reality of what he's trying to do it's just like it's not that bad and then you pull back and you're like so why the fuck why did they the kill him so mad at him <laughs> like holy shit <laughs> what they have to do, do anything for... yeah it's just like it's like oh god forbid somebody tries to uplift the community and then they notice the injustice hey wait a minute <laughs> and then you kind of have that moment of oh so the government doesn't like it when we come together for our common causes wait because mm-hmm. the government considered what he was doing bad then <laughs> they only like it when we come together for the military brother <laughs> oh I mean, of course yeah <laughs> what what did you think about the uh the the introduction of his um i guess because at the end of that se- of his introduction scene we meet um deborah johnson the one telling to yes. put more um, poetry in it. I thought her, you know, acting was, was very good throughout the movie. But um, I think she's a very interesting uh, character, kind of in her own right. I do kind of wish they uh, they mm. did kind of speed through the romance a little bit as, as we'll get into it. But I think for for a purpose, I still think she kind of held her own as a as yeah, a character. I, I she, didn't really, so too. she didn't seem like a plot device. Um, Again. Um... To bring it back to Black Klansman for a second, uh, there was a female lead in that movie that I felt like was a really cool actor and stuff like that, but it's like, it felt like she didn't really get to do much, and it's like, for someone who was supposed to be, like, the revolutionary revolutionary, she kind of didn't really get to, you know, see her philosophy and really, like, get into her head more than her being, you know, the love interest, and Mm -hmm. with this, I felt like we got that. Like, she was interested in him in a real way, and then she started saying, like, hmm, well, here's how you can improve, because I'm actually really into poetry, and I think what you're doing is poetry, and, you know, there's ways that we can add rhetorical things that can make that even better. Like, I loved that. It's just right. like, I'm thinking about this, and I want to help you improve what you're doing. It's not just, you know, she's just a, a psychic that I can help. Like, there's a reality and, you know, a, a power to what she's saying that should be listened to. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so it's like, holy fuck, like, this this couple makes sense in my brain, you know? <laughs> yeah, it they they work together well because I think she Fred Hampton's words, at least within the context of the film is his, his strength is in his words, his ability to kind of bring people together, but also his ability to speak. And he met and formed a strong relationship with somebody who also was a poet. So that was one of her strengths was writing and kind of like consolidating those ideas and also working with him to be like, okay, these are the things you know, that the community uh, needs and, and kind of as we were, you know, going through the movie and everything, I think what's interesting is 
because the, the majority of the movie is from Bill O'Neill's perspective. So you have Bill yeah. working for the FBI going into these situations. And this is kind of where you get your title of Judas and the Black Messiah. You're mm. watching this man uh, through this lens of doing all of these good things. And you know you have to turn on them. Yeah. And the way... The way he gets set up to do those things, again, is indicative of how the government purposefully radicalizes groups to yes. to create a problem that they have to solve. And that is something that I've seen the echoes of so much in, like, American history and recent history. It happened last like, year. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> of, of, I, yeah. just, just plants. Just general plants. <laughs> and it's just like, wait, that's you doing this? What? Right. <laughs> how about you just leave people alone? <laughs> It's, it, it winds up being, like, now that we talk about it, it's weirdly cyclical of of kind of mm. a lot of, you know, overseeing uh, governmental parties or people in, in positions of power creating these poor situations for the people. So the people within those communities... Yeah, I swear to God, if we get assassinated before this podcast is finished, right. you know what happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so the people in these communities have to form their own things, and the government's like, well, no, we, we want you to rely on us, so we're going to put plants in here to break down <laughs> these systems to keep you kind of in this place of state. And it's just like cycles. Cause like, and that's what happened yeah, then. It's like... what happens with Black Lives Matter. Um, with with a lot of the riots mm. and shit. So I do remember recently they're saying like most of the riot, like the riots that have been happening, well, riot uprising, you know, have been like mostly peaceful because there's been more people being like you know keeping an eye on yeah. stuff and being like, hey, wait a minute, who are you? You know, why are you I breaking windows, bro? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember seeing moments like that where you'd see someone who would start to do something and other people would be stopping and be like, whoa, whoa, why are you doing that? What was the point of that? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, so I'm loving seeing that. I love right. that we're in this age now, you know, because, like, a lot of this is stuff that, like, you could just do back then because it's not like you could, you know, uh, Google something and be like, oh, hell, oh, that right. actually means that. And you know, In fact, there's one part in, in this movie that, that so pissed me off. This is what I wanted to bring up real quick, going back to Roy and the yeah. fucking bullshit equivocating oh, between God. the KKK and the Black Panther. the Black Panther. Oh, son. It, people do that. Again, Yo. people do that today. But go ahead. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so Roy sets up the scenario, right? And he says, um, because he's trying to sound like a good guy, right? Because he right. says the KKK and the Black Panthers are bad. Uh, he tells the story about you know, uh, the police, some sheriff in some podunk town, uh, stopped a bunch of black people who were just. Uh, trying to help other black people to vote, and you know that that sheriff handed them over to the KKK, and and those uh, those KKK members, you know, cut off their dicks and and did all this you know horrible stuff to it. Mm. Stuff, stuff that's very specifically psychosexual, genital mutilation type stuff, which I think mm. is kind of interesting. Uh, that's a good point. But now that you mentioned it, <laughs> yeah. And so and now and the point that he makes is like, oh man, look look at how the KKK is able to do messed up stuff, and then um. Now, uh, let's look at the the other side over here. Uh, uh, look at these, you know, Black Panthers. Uh, they're so messed up. Look how they, they'll kill uh, uh, someone that they assume is an informant in their group. Look at the horrible things that they'll do, you know, when they find out that you're uh, uh, not one of one of them. And then it's just like, whoa, hold up. Scurry, freeze for a second. Like, yeah. you just equivocated the shit out of this because one case is someone trying to help black people, you know, be recognized as citizens and the police <laughs> helped hand them over to the KKK. So that that's kind of cheating when you've got the fucking police helping you out with shit. 
it. There was no police helping the the Black Panthers there, do anything. You know what I'm saying? None that and I've so, seen. Like, and so, like, just that immediate thing and the fact that it isn't allowed to, like, get dissected. You know, it's just allowed to be uh, 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 swallowed as, oh, well, you know what? You're right. It is the same thing. Look how bad the KKK is, just like the Black Panthers. But it's, like, the only reason. And, again, not cool that that uh, later on they talk about how uh, what they did something where they scalded off uh, an informant's uh, dick that they thought was an informant. Oh, yeah, But yeah, it's, yeah. like, oh, that shit the reason too. why they did that was because... You, the government, were trying to infiltrate this shit. So it's literally a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, like, if you didn't do it. They they wouldn't be worried about informants if you didn't give them a reason to worry about informants. (laughs) Yeah. the same reason. But but we're the government, so we're supposed to do this. Yeah, they they wouldn't need to exist. It's a false equivalency of the concept of radicalism. So you're, it's like, so that's almost like trying to equate uh, police violence against two kids having it out in a classroom like a school fight yeah because it's like no one of those problems is somebody choosing violence upon another party willfully the other one is that's just internal that's within their confines you know there's no right it's like it's so like the level of right and wrong isn't really the same <laughs> it, yeah it's the reason why I, I like it's such bullshit arguments when people talk about oh police violence is you think that's bad what about black on black violence it's like okay but you know at the end of the day if a black man kills another black man it's like well let's go to the black people police and make sure that that person gets accountability because oh, that black person was in a place of authority and he needs a no that's not the same as police who you are given a badge and which means you have to respect the authority and you have to have the training to have that and so when you fuck up it means something because authority shouldn't be fucking up right (laughs) yeah because it's just like you know not anybody can be a a a klansman but you choose to be a klansman not everybody can be a cop but you're choosing to be a cop so it's just like but like black panthers you can choose whether or not to be a black panther but you can't choose the like socioeconomic effects of being black which necessitated the the like purpose of the black Panthers. so it's like if you're you know if you're trying to compare crimes, it's not to say whether or not one is right or one is wrong, but it's just like if two black people are fighting, if, you know, this mis- this mystery concept of black on black crime, it's like, yeah, <laughs> there are two people. There's like a crime was committed upon another person. It happened to be between two people that are black. You're literally just stating a fact. Yeah, that, like, well, why don't white crimes an issue too? Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, it, just, it doesn't matter because oh, that's the norm, so it doesn't matter when you, you when you do it. Right, and so kind of like going back to what Roy was saying, it, it's such a bullshit narrative that people still use, and I think that's what makes it particularly infuriating if you're kind of in the state of mind to. I, I think it does a good job at pointing it out. Um. I, I do wish, and I, I can't put the writers on this because it's not the purpose of the movie. It, the purpose of it is to give mm. perspective to Bill for why he's making the decisions he's making out of like, make these decisions out of fear is kind of what the implications yeah. are. It's like, oh yeah, you know, the ones that you're infiltrating are just like these other really awful people. Is like just by this yeah. one rather innocuous example that and, I can provide. So be I scared. Hope, be scared of them. Yeah, and I hope people listening like get what i'm trying to say by that right like you know because I, I, I like i'm not saying like oh don't trust the government because uh, government's just inherently bad it's like no it's like if they didn't do that shit like yeah. it would be fine you know what i mean if they X didn't leads to like, why 
Yeah, if they didn't do these things that are like inherently like it's you messing with stuff because you think the good thing is for this stuff to not exist because there's no real problems, right? <laughs> you know, right. it's like this is what causes the distrust, and it's them not realizing. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's distrust because this group of people are getting ornery and angry. Well, let's do something to stop them. It's like, no, no, no. You see, you trying to do something to stop them from learning about the other stuff that you did. That's the continued that, that reason the why we're not trusting you. Do you not get this government? <laughs> it's like you're you're trying to do things, but you're trying to stop a problem instead of creating a solution yes <laughs> that, is, that is what it boils down to so the people decided to create their own solution because they know what their problems are and you're like no wait stop yeah. we made the problem we can make the solution but you haven't you've just been stopping a problem that is that's that is what the the false equivalencies kind of come down to so it's like you have to yes. you have to create a narrative for yourself to explain the reason no no this is why me stopping a problem equates to creating a solution it's not the goddamn same thing <laughs> yeah and and uh what roy says again the the justifications that that the people get right uh he says uh you know equality is good and all but you can't cheat your way to equality and you darn sure can't shoot your way to it and in the scene like stanfield kind of has like a resigned sort of like all right, I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, and it, it, it's in that just way where it's just like, this feels fucked up, but I, I haven't been able to think about it long enough, so I guess I'll just absor- absorb that information, you know? <laughs> like, right. But it, as soon as I hear that, a fucking flare gun goes off in my head, and I'm like, um, but the Revolutionary War and the Civil War, <laughs> and, and like, but those are okay because we have a country at, that we're currently in that we're clearly saying it was okay that those things happened, or, or does the logic lie in the right to violence belonging to those who already won? So it's so it's okay for those things to happen because because we're now living in the reality where those people won. So that should be our side now. So so it's okay that those wars happen. But any black people getting ornery about what happened to them, uh, don't do that. <laughs> fucking you know, fucking do do the rights to violence belong to those that created the weapons? Is that <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Now you can't make your own weapons and stuff. Well, why not? That's our job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kill him <laughs> silence <laughs> assassinate him oh it was an accident we'll, we'll give him a day that'll make up for it <laughs> he, he wouldn't <clears throat> have died oh for this murdered he was murdered <laughs> most of these yeah. were murders right oh my god so there's one scene uh again pointing out how the um how the government interference is purposely done to turn people against each other to, to prevent unity. So there was this thing where you see a bunch of like the, these uh, white investigators coming up with something to say in order to cause uh, the, oh, the, God, uh, yes. the crowns yeah, to, to get angry at the, the Black Panthers. And as they're writing it, it's such a funny thing where you're just like, wow, these white guys don't know black slang. (laughs) And I I felt my soul churn at the way they're like misusing the language. And they did. Right. Yeah. uh, It was specifically where where he says like, so, you know, what are we going to do? What do we have to say? Uh, yeah, we're going to say, uh, we're coming after your watermelon heads. Dig in, yeah. Like, what dig in? What 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 do black people say that? It's like give a context, you know. And, and of course, the guy says something like racist connotation shit, and they just go with it anyway. But just the fact that like you know, and of course, this is out outdated slang for for us in twenty twenty one. But even like with my like you know black 
AAVE history knowing brain that's like out of there. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, people people just said like if they were just asking a question in the seventies, they'd be like, Can you oh dig? yeah, we're going over here, dig. Yeah. You know, just the word dig, but just the fact that these white guys in the seventies are like, uh, dig yeah. in. That's what they say, right? <laughs> so there's a hilarious moment where uh, the Black Panthers again, you know, they they kept their guns in the car and they come in to you know talk with the with the crowns. And the leader of them is like, pulls up a piece of paper. He's just like, uh, is this you? You know, <laughs> this you? Is, did you say this right here? And, he, and he's reading it off. And, and even he looks like he's, he's reading it in a sort of like, Oh, this is what you think of us, but also to sort of like, wait, you talk like this, <laughs> you know? So this is like, how y'all talk in that part of Chicago? This is how y'all get down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, they won't have a watermelon left or something like that. And they're going to dig in. What's going on here? <laughs> like right. the way he said, dig in. <laughs> like it legit seemed like a black dude from the 70s was reading this and going like, what the fuck is going dig on? <laughs> Never heard so, anyone say digging in all my stars. <laughs> and, but, but what gets me is like, because I, I like that scene a, a, a lot because that's also the scene where um doesn't one of the crowns recognize Bill? And like his cover is yes. almost blown, he almost dies. Yes. There's like so three fuck, different again, times. Government fucking it up, everybody. <laughs> Bill almost fucked up, but like, and then the FBI ploy almost worked, cause and, but until Fred mm. breaks up, it's like, see, see, this is how the FBI tries to divide us, the government and the pigs. Mm-hmm. Like they try to separate us with this, right? And, and he's right, he's right every time. And it gets me because I'm just like, I'm like, this is the same shit that happens now with fucking Twitter, because you can fake a tweet and blow mm-hmm. shit up, <laughs> like. Candace yeah. and Cardi getting into it over Twitter. That's a separate conversation, but that shit makes me laugh. Nah. That shit makes me laugh so hard. But, but Yeah, oh my god. So, l- like I said, uh, there's the one scene where fucking J. Edgar Hoover... Literally, you just say... Like, you know what I said earlier? Uh, you know, in, in, in movies like this, it always just seems like, you know, the stuff that black people have to deal with is just some immovable object that was just already there, and black people are just dealing with it, and just, they're right. just faceless white people are just kind of angry. But with this, like, you see Hooper fucking angry as balls, and he's like, I want him off the street, charge him with something, get his black ass off the street now! <laughs> oh, yeah, and then and, what they charged him with was the wildest shit. Yo, I couldn't believe it. I was like, y'all didn't even try. Like, they did. Oh, I'm like, no, this is yeah. just like, there, there's cap, and then there's just lying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically, uh, the framing of this movie starts off with uh, showing Lakeith Stanford as uh, the uh, uh, the informant, but like 30 years later, doing an interview for a documentary. Right. It, it cuts to it at certain points when when they're asking questions. So he's like. Oh yeah. So what was what was he charged with? And they and they show like police officers going into the the Black Panther you know thing to arrest him. And he was just like, uh, I think it was like something bogus, like seventy dollars worth of ice cream theft or something. Yep. And I was like, fucking what? And I'm like, really? <laughs> ice cream? Who, you get who fell for? It? Like it just goes to show like. Is that the best y'all government motherfuckers had? Like, it's it's definitely a case of if there isn't something, they will fight. Like, remember, side note, remember how uh, uh, Takashi, Remy the Rat, got charged with RICO charges at, like, 21? Uh, I'm like, like, you know how low you have to dig to pull some shit out the ground that no one would think of? That is what they did to Fred Hampton. It's like, oh, yeah, he got charged for uh, ice cream theft. I'm like, how the fuck... Do you even begin to start to prove that? <laughs> yeah, it's like he's giving out free ice cream, ice cream in the seventies. <laughs> how much? Yeah, how much fucking ice cream do you think? 
first of all, where is he storing all this? Yeah. Like, I'm like, is $30 there... for the fucking ice cream? <laughs> to steal for what? He's not going to have it for more than a week. <laughs> why would that be worth stealing? Right. I'm just like, I was like, first of all, why is that worth jail time? Because he got what? Was it yes. years? Yeah, it was like two years, one to five or something. Yeah, it was supposed to be, and he got out like three or something. Yeah, it was it was a good amount of times. Like, so you mean he got years after sub double sub triple digit dollars worth of ice cream? Not a fine, <laughs> you know, not not taken to court. Uh, not not. Oh, you got to pay this. You you know, but they they pinned him on one of the most bullshit. <laughs> yeah like it's um yes oh and now now after after this happens is where you really get uh really get the perspective of the government right because at 50 minutes it kind of says like you know you kind of get the philosophy of of the government uh uh uh, you know workers uh, and they're kind of just like of the philosophy of like look all these terrorist organizations are bad guys, so it's okay and justified to make them kill each other and do whatever, as long as it leads to this terrorist place disbanding, right? Like, that's all they give a shit about, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But here's what happens. So Roy goes into his uh, commanding officer's, like, um, you know, uh, into his commanding officer's room to get, like, sort of debriefed, right? And, uh... He he tells he gives him his information. He's like, oh yeah, so uh, you know this is what I got on this, and uh, um, and then uh, he's like, oh yeah, and, uh, th- there's we've got intel that uh, one of the Black Panthers like killed uh, another one because they thought they were an informant, and you know like they, yeah. they're, they're tripping out because they're they're doing too much, you know, and they're they're you know radicals, you know, and the higher up tells him, oh no, Sam's one of our guys. Uh, y- yeah, it's all good, and he goes like, wait, what? Uh, Sam's one of your guys who was uh, accused of killing a Black Panther for being in a... Wait, I'm confused. Could you explain what's happening? And he says, well, this is the beauty of it. So, our... This is how he explains it. Uh, Sam's one of his guys who infiltrated another Black Panther uh, uh, sect and basically accused someone else of being an informant so that they would torture that guy and that he wouldn't have the issue. But the thing is, he ended up... uh, Like, Sam's killed that other panther and is now wanted as a murderer so wherever he goes as someone who is already an fbi like he is the informant he's not someone who cares about the cause he is part of the informant and as someone who killed an actual black panther and blamed him for being the informant he now is tailed wherever he goes so when he goes to another organization the government can uh file tabs on him and be like oh well this organization this black panther sect is affiliating with someone who's a known criminal, so we're gonna have to do that. And like this, just goes to show. It's like these government motherfuckers don't give a shit about the material realities mm. of people's lives being made better. They don't. It's just about well, they're bad, so we got them. We got them. Whatever we have to do to get them, we get them. You know. Um, and it's just like, and I think Sam was one of the guys that wow. tortured him, wasn't he? He was all like he framed yes! him, and I think also helped torture him to death. Yeah, like the guy he uh, but, incriminated. Yeah, but it was also a thing where it's like. He is one of the guys who now has a criminal record who's being followed. So it's like, oh, these dangerous Black Panthers who who are, who are killing their own and all this stuff. But it's you. Yeah. The government informant was the it one was... that was killing him and doing. Like Boy, how you he... are causing the reputation, and then looking to the rest of America and saying, look how those Black Panthers are just terrorists who are just uh, you know radicals who, who who kill each other in in brutal ways just to do it. You know, like <laughs> what can you do? You guys, we got to take him out. It's just like. Whoa, it's just yeah. so exposed to the shit in such a, 
in in such a like real way of like this is how you think this is you know it's not like a super villain bad guy thing it's just kind of like no but this is how this is supposed to work because we're the good guys right and we don't need to examine ourselves right (laughs) you know and it's it's wild how they kind of expose it because i think initially um we see it from bill's perspective of him finding out that they're like he's like oh yeah they killed another informant or like they killed an informant and, and they like talk about like how it went down and them trying to figure out the way to kill him. So of course that makes Bill nervous about getting caught. But then yeah. we get the full story from the FBI, because so it's like yeah. it leads you to think, oh shit, there was another informant and got caught. No sir, that informant is still there. That informant framed an yeah. innocent man and killed, tortured and killed him to death. Perception is a massive tool, not right? just in how the oh, story is told, but also in kind of the reality of what's going on now. And especially in the age of technology in America, it makes things really, really wonky because it's like, Oh, Mm. trust no one. It's like, yes, trust. It's like, yes, trust no one, but also don't trust no one. Kind of, sort of like things have gotten (laughs) right. Because it was them. Yeah. It's way. (laughs) It was the paranoia that the paranoia that added to it. But again, it's, it's stuff stoked by government agents. Yes. (laughs) And so it's like, we can't really say, Oh, what would a perfect, uh, what would the Black Panthers be like if they would just let them home? Because they caused the shit to be as bad as it ended up being. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so there's information that Roy knows after a certain point that he could have told Lakeith Stanford, but didn't. He mm-hmm. told, and, and that's where I finally lay judgment on Roy's character, right? right. Because it's like, there, up to a certain point, he was telling him the information that he knew. But then when it came down to, Oh, uh, they killed an informant? Oh, and that's all you know, Will? Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Don't you see how dangerous they are? But it's like, motherfucker, you knew knew. that it wasn't the informant that got killed. It was the informant that led to someone else. So that's what it's like. uh, But that's when it becomes to him, well, this is a job that we need to get done. And so we're doing what we have to do. You know, and it's so like the, oh, fuck you forever. And then (laughs) it, it just like adds so much darkness to the moment where, when, um, because after we kind of get this reveal, Lakeith, uh, Stanford, wait, rifle thought, wait, what, what did you just allude to? It cut off for a second. Um, the the one of the Panthers having the standoff with the the police department, and then later on they blew up their their. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. that did happen. <laughs> yeah, but again. As you watch the scene play out, like, it starts off with the police fucking antagonizing them with the most douchebaggy yep. uh, cop holding holding a drink, uh, holding a, 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 a beer, by the way. You shouldn't be fucking drinking on the job, but whatever, right. it's the 70s. <laughs> there are no rules, That, that was still just part of the workplace. But, man, that, that standoff so, was yeah. crazy. Like, I, you know, yeah. it was definitely a moment where it was like, oh, no, you, you shouldn't shoot a cop, but... <laughs> it's like what are you somebody what fired. Do you do? i forget who fired first somebody fired first but you know i can't remember uh but the thing that i was made to think about is lakeith the bitch ass thing i was gonna say yeah <laughs> fucking bill bill leaving in the middle of the snuck away like oh i'm going to the roof goes the entire opposite direction of the roof oh that was infuriating and it happens twice yeah. um <laughs> but the reason why i was thinking about it because um there's a scene, and I can't remember if this is after the, the bombing happened, but uh, Lakeith Stanford is, you know, using the knowledge he has to be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, th- there's probably a rat in this place, and we need to, like, snuff him out and suss him out, you know? So you see Lakeith being the person saying, let's snuff out the rats, 
and someone else within the organization is saying, hey, man, let's not be divisive. This is exactly what they want. And Lakeitha goes like, no, you're a rat. And, and you know, maybe you're a fucking bitch-ass rat. You know, if you think about it, you're a rat, bitch. It's like, you know, I'm going to find out who the motherfucking bitch is. Like, and it's like, holy shit. Like, it's a great acting moment as you're seeing, like, right. what he's doing. But then you're also, like, cringing. And so he's like, you fucker, this is you pro- propagating the division again. Fuck you, and like you know what the fuck you're doing, and, and like by ha- by setting it up, like oh there is a rat, and I'm gonna find him. Oh, you'd never expect the fucking rat to say that, right? And that's such a genius fucking thing to do. It sounds like, like oh, something a rat might you. say. People want goddamn peace, you son of a bitch. Yeah. It, so, um, mm. this is this is kind of a not a spoiler thought, but more of a thought about when I walked away, just talking about mm. Bill O'Neill as a character. Um, cause, and we'll mention it at the end, something I want to bring up regarding the historical context, but Bill O'Neill as a character. And, and I said it, uh, when, when I done my own review of it, I walked out of it feeling like this guy was a race trader and that's something <laughs> oh, definitely. that was a feeling I had never gotten in like any media, anything <laughs> Like, I was looking at him, I'm like, bro, Candace Owens got to clean off her tap shoes, because goddamn, <laughs> Bill O'Neill was another level of, like, we have an issue right now in America with individualism uh, versus collectivism, but this shit mm-hmm. right here is, like, egregious to the point of actual destruction for the betterment of a community. Yeah. Like, his yeah. actions led to several deaths of prominent, you know, freedom fighters and like the disillusion of a positive sense of unity in 1970 Chicago, you know, niggas was dying left and right. Like, I'm sure he wasn't the only informant, but he's the one we know. So, so, you know, Roy has a interesting character moment when he, you know, realizes what's happening in the debriefing and I thought about, like, yeah, it, it is kind of a quite the predicament to be in, to, like, work in the government, then find out that what you're doing is kind of corrupt while you're working in it. And it's just like, you can't just, like, stop now because you're getting paid to do it. And yep. You're invested, you know what I'm saying? And you have people who, who are, you know, you're a party to the machinations of what's happening, so you're kind of implicated now, and you kind of can't stop now, you know? So right. it's like... It, I like how it showed the reality of what a cog in the machine is dealing with as well. You know what I'm saying? And then this is the scene that you were talking about earlier with the fucking uh, J. Edgar Hoover, the fucking big boss himself, fucking Robotnik himself. Boss racist. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's your boy Randy racism back at it again. (laughs) And he says, just straight up, because this is how racist this motherfuckers were just kind of allowed to be where all the way up to the goddamn halls of the president. Um, where where he just goes, he, he just says uh, to to uh, Roy, he says, uh, so uh, you know, he's starting out this banter conversation, normal conversation. Oh, how are your kids? You know, oh, you got two boys and a little girl. Tell me, um, what would you do the day you know your daughter brings home a Negro? And he goes like, it, uh, oh, uh, I I don't why where where is you know it's just like I didn't think about that the possibility. Like, oh, where's this lot of questioning going? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he, he's just saying, it's like, no, tell, tell like, w- would she? What, what would happen? Would she do it? And he goes like, and, a, you know, he's a white guy in the 70s, so he's like, yep. uh, uh, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, so 
you know, um, like, and why wouldn't she do that? And he's like, I, what, could you tell me why you're asking this, sir? <laughs> and he goes like, he, and, you know, uh, president goes like, well, you know, when you're in a war, you got to do what's necessary to come back home to your family. This is a war uh, against, you know, people who are trying to take our way of life in our country. So we got to do what's necessary to stop them. You know, what's at stake if we, and there's a way that the next line that he says was worded. That was so interesting to me because it's such a, you can take this at face value as someone who's saying this line, but it's also a, oh, you can take this as the double meaning for right. what he really means. Right. So he says like, what's at stake if we lose this war, our entire way of life, rape, pillage, war, you know, all these things. And it, as he said, that I was saying like, it sounded like he's saying, like, you know, if we lose this war, our entire way of life is gone, and rape, pillage, and all this stuff is what we're going to have to deal with. But what it also sounds like he's saying is, like, if we lose this war, we're going to be raped and pillaged. So, yeah. so we got to rape and pillage them first, so they don't rape and pillage us, so they know not to not to rape and pillage us, because we'll rape and pillage, and in fact, we're going to do it first, so they we make sure they don't do it. You know, it's so that scared paranoid fucking thinking you know what i'm saying one of the and one it, of the biggest fears that that a lot of racists have is that black people are going to unify all, all minorities any any sort of like group mm -hmm. that, any diverse population is going to rise up and upset like get revenge for how we were treated and like historically yeah. there hasn't really been a lot of examples of that but they're scared of it because that's I think I think for it's like John Brown. That's like the one. <laughs> yeah, like like I remember there's a Native American standoff in the 70s in like North Dakota, but the context of that oh, yeah. is it's really interesting, but it's completely different. Like they, they started buying guns. They're like, oh shit, why? <laughs> and I think it's like, and that that type of that particular mindset, that particular wording that you're kind of alluding to, like the subtext of that conversation yeah. is that there's a lot of racists act out of this irrational fear that if we don't separate ourselves or keep our superiority or keep our, our foot on their necks, that they're going to come up and they're going to treat us how we treated them. And that's never been the case. Yeah. And it's like, it never will be the if case. If you just fucking stop, maybe if it you wouldn't stop. be on anyone's mind in the first place. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like you're there. It's operating out of just like such a, a logical level of just fear and a circular fear logic. Yeah. Yes. And and just um, God, fucking J. Edgar Hoover. But yeah, and just like the him. and just the subtext of asking him not about his sons bringing home a black girl. No, no. Right, His of course. Bringing home a black man is like, how do you feel about that? There's a whole different conversation about kind of like the subtext of like sexuality and the whole okay, you know, the psychosexual analysis of this movie that could be done. Yeah, just like the and, and just like also in other conversations about like the nature of the concept of penetration as a form of like quote unquote masculinity and domination blah 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 mm. so just kind of like the implication based off of stereotypes and then he's pushing that kind of societal pressure on us like so what are you gonna do if your daughter brings home a negro like <laughs> like the president just said that to you yeah <laughs> yeah it's like what about um, uh, the coloreds and it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah, like, this is a strange colors. thing to get coffee over boss <laughs> um yeah and uh i love that this one scene so I believe Jimmy Palmer gets killed in the hospital. Yes. Oh, my God. The Jimmy Palmer stuff. Yeah. 
And they're fucking furious. Um, in fact, there's a scene, which I really do like the, uh, the setup of how it looks, where... Like, uh, so he, Fred Hampton's about to give a talk. I think he'd just gotten out of prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see him, like, walking up a flight of stairs, like, right into the middle of the audience. And so, like, the audience is kind of getting up and clapping for him. And I really like the way that looked and just the idea of, like, he's rising up from the people instead of, like, coming on from the side, you know, off stage. You know what I'm saying? Up above everyone. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I I love that there, there, like through the aesthetics and everything they kind of like push it push the idea that he is of the people he cares about the people he actually really does like that is his language that is how we interpret him and that is how he looks you know what i'm saying so uh i feel like up to this point um fred hampton's been a very uh intelligent person who is speaking very like oh yeah that oh, sounds radical yeah, but as soon part. as you think about what he's saying yeah no he makes a good point and at this point, yeah, he, he says a line where he's just like, you know, he, he's really fucking in his element and he's fucking angry and pissed off. Yep. And he's just like, uh, yeah, and he's like, uh, fucking, we're mad about this, we're mad about this. It's like, uh, and, and people want to know how I feel about, you know, this and da-da-da. Like, I'll put it to you like this. You kill one uh, cop, that's a little bit of satisfaction. You kill a couple of cops, that's, uh, uh, like, that's a bunch of satisfaction. You kill all cops, like, that's ultimate satisfaction or something like that. Yeah. And it was just like, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, ooh. I, I, oh. I did the same thing. I'm just like, I'm like, ah. I don't know about all that. I was like, you know, I, <laughs> I have a lot of criticisms of, like, the police system in America up till this day. But, uh, I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's very much a, it's an emotional, uh, it's, it's a very good speech. But it's also extremely impassioned. It's not his yeah. usual kind yeah, of more thought about out. The red- yeah, it's more about the the what's the word? It's not like about the rhetorical material shit he's trying to talk about that yeah. he can bring by bringing up these points. It, it is all out of anger what what, he, what he's saying, you know. Right. Um, but he, and, he says it well. But yeah, and and then there's a scene where like so in that scene, Lakeith is kind of like you know standing standing onto the side and you know saying like black power and all that stuff, and then he looks out into the crowd and he sees. The Philip Seymour Hoffman looking dude, Roy. He's, he's Roy. <laughs> and I was confused because I was like, wait, was he actually there? Because there's an... El- I think he was. Because I think he addresses it he, later. Yeah. But I was confused. I was like, okay, uh, Black Panther just died and it's just black people in there. They're going to notice if the one, you know, sort the of white, man looking white the guy. Excuse me, pardon me. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of weird to me. I was like... Okay, is he imagining that? Because throughout the movie, there's little scenes that that kind of uh, clue you into uh, um, Bill's paranoia uh, as someone who's doing this, right? There's a scene where he's asleep and he dreams that he runs back into into his house or the headquarters or something like that. And there's like paper strewn all about. And the camera moves in a way where it feels kind of weird and unnatural. So you're already kind of like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? And then you see someone behind him like put a gun up to his head. And the camera slowly reveals back to what I think is actually him. Yeah, so it kind of threw me so. for a second. Because he doesn't, like, it doesn't seem like they're drawing attention to it. Because he's like wearing a coat and a hat that's like slightly obscuring it. But it's just like, oh wait, does that hit? And as soon as he registered, like, the, the gun, you know, the trigger pulls. And, and he wakes up in a cold sweat. And he's like, oh fuck. And so I was thinking, like, when I saw that later scene of the white dude in the crowd. I was just like, wait, is he 
imagining that because uh, Hampton just said something really radical, and so it's just like, huh, the, the plan's coming together, you know? So I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but yeah, that's what I was thinking what was possibly happening. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting too, because given Bill was still in the Panthers, um, doing like recon and everything while Fred was, uh, in prison. And so he like rose through the ranks and everything. And, and yeah. it's addressed kind of in the conversation that he had with Roy is that it's starting to grow a little bit fuzzy as to whether as to where his allegiance lies now like by the end we we kind of know where it is but in the at yeah. least in that sequence even i was a little bit i'm like he's very impassioned and i think as he better understood the panthers i think into like if he had the option to pick and not be like the the, the shitty thing about bill's situation is he's caught and it's a lose-lose so either yeah. he gets killed by the FBI or, or in jail or he gets killed by the Panthers. There's no win. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was thinking about this. It's like, man, is there any form of this where you could possibly go, hey, I took some intel on this group that we were paranoid about. Turns out they just kind of want this. So maybe we should leave. Like, why is that not an option? <laughs> and it's, it's like because they're going to find a way to spin it. And even still, because yeah. um, I think w- when he tried to leave earlier, where it was like, I don't know, man, we could always send you back to prison. It's like, okay, so this yeah. is where you are. This is what you so do. So he has incentive to, to, and that's the thing. Yeah, right. So he already has incentive to make them look as bad as possible yep. anyway. So there's one scene where shit just goes off the fucking, like, whoa, this is too far. <laughs> With the the C four, yes, <laughs> that shit was funny. That, I was like, oh, whoa! <laughs> but it, it's a great scene because it illustrates how these these people who are agents are purposely radicalizing mm-hmm. things to make it worse, right? Because uh, Fred Hampton and the who was the skinny light skinned dude who um, kind of got like the hangdog face. I know who you're who talking about. It? I can't remember his name. Yeah, because he was such an interesting, like, like his face so stuck out. Like, he wasn't, like, a main character, but you noticed every time he was there. Because yeah. he just uh, had such an interesting was look, it, you know? Was it Bobby? Was it Bobby? Was I think it? it was Bobby. I remember his name being Bobby, yeah. Yeah. But it was it Bobby Hutton? It couldn't have been Bobby I, I Hutton, it was Bobby right? Rush. That, I was about to say, because, like, Hutton's a darker-skinned dude, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that shit. <laughs> so, so, yeah, in in that scene, yeah, uh, she was tell him... Yeah, Lakeith opens up the thing. He's like, all right, this is what we're going to fucking do. And I was like, whoa, whoa. we didn't say all that. <laughs> and, and, but, but, you know, he uh, Lakeith starts throwing his words back in his face. He said, mm-hmm. uh, look what Black Panthers they've killed. He starts listing them off. He says, uh, you know, like, what about, like, the fact that they bombed us early? Like, what are we going to do? Like, they're doing all this shit. And sure, maybe it might not ultimately work, but we need to do something, right? We need to do something. We got we to gotta push back. And... Of course, Fred is coming from a, a the actual, like, you know, actually caring about black people and actually yeah. trying to do what's best. And he's like, nigga, you crazy. If you if they you you bomb them, they, they're going to bomb us back. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. And so what I thought was funny about it is because, like, that scene is only a couple minutes removed from the one we were just talking about of the big speech where he's impassioned talking about kill all the cops. And then Bill's like, oh, yeah. I'm ready to kill all the cops. He's like, whoa, whoa. I didn't mean yeah, that like, shit. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, Put I didn't mean like back. that. I think that's what he's like. He's like uh. <laughs> it, it's kind of like the, the 
the ironic, like, unintended hypocrisy. Because, uh, like, when, when you think about it with the context of Fred's life, it's like, that speech makes sense. But it also doesn't align with Fred's usually pretty level-headed values. You know, I'm yeah. not, not going to say that, you know, everybody has, has been hypocritical about some shit. I think that was right. just a little bit more of a public case. So to have one happen than the other is just really funny to see. He's like, yeah, man, yeah. I'm ready. It's like the one crazy nigga. I'm ready to kill him. I'll get the gun. We'll do it now. It's like, whoa, whoa, Let's go. whoa. <laughs> I right. have some C4 right now. Where the fuck did you get C4? Right. That was my question. I'm like, where the fuck did he get C4? Did he like tell the FBI? He's like, he's like, hey, they're going to plan to blow up the police. So I'm going to need some see? C4. It's like, all you right. You see what I'm trying to say though? Because I mean, he did not get that. Right. The way he got a car was through the government. How the fuck did he get this? c4 so literally he's introducing these elements yep. of of danger that are like wouldn't have been there if the government wasn't interfering yeah um i don't know too many black people that can just happen upon c4 today, <laughs> right let alone like 1971 right um and then lakeith william bitch ass o'neill <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call for the rest of the movie. Cause he fucking says, Oh, I'm willing to die for this shit. What about you? And yo <laughs> I am oh. so glad that Fred Hampton fucking went off at that moment and, and his friend had to fucking pull it back. Cause I was like, Fuck you, Will. You yeah. fucking left a scene earlier of a shootout with cops and you're going to leave another one, you fucking son of a bitch. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> that like I said, it Bill O'Neill as the character portrayed by Lucky Stanfield in this movie, it's a piece of shit. But but it's also like at the same, it's like I get it because what we were talking about, it's a lose lose. There is no yeah win for him in a collectivist sense. So the only like because when mm-hmm. I thought about it, I'm like, what would I do in this situation? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Like the only way, yeah. it, it it just it's never gonna look good. Even he was like morally working with the Panthers and turning down the FBI in that right is like. Then you got to tough it out in prison, bro, with racist cops. Yeah. Godspeed. Yep. Like, Fred just barely made it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and, um, it's like, do you let your individualism supersede your morality? And and that's mm. what he did. <laughs> Bitch-ass <Yeah>. Bill O'Neill. <laughs> but again, you know, the circumstances that people are in, you know, yeah. causes them to want to be like, well, okay. All right, go with this easier thing than that thing. Fuck it, you know? Yep. Um, and then there's a scene where Lil Rel. Oh! Uh, Lil Rel Howery. Lil Rel is the pimp. I love that scene. The fucking way. <laughs> the fucking most huggy bear as, you know, fucking uh, pimp ass hustling this side of a goddamn Superfly movie. <laughs> this man where he looking fucking clean as shit. I was trying to figure <laughs> out who the woman was that Bill was about to talk to. Then she just disappeared. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Oh, yeah, I thought she was going to have something. It's like, nope, it was that guy. And then Lil Rel, because I saw his name in the opening credits. I'm like, Lil Rel is in there. <laughs> I, exactly. I saw him. I was like, oh, what's he going to do? Yeah, like this fine woman. <laughs> then she goes to the bathroom and Lil Rel slides. And I'm like, what the fuck is, why is and, Lil Rel a pimp? Yeah, looking like he lost a little bit of weight, too. Like, oh, yeah, he looks good. Trim, you know? And, and, <laughs> He's like, all right, we're about to do the support movie. I got to look good. <laughs> but, I mean, he he does a good job. Is Wayne the mysterious motherfucker? <laughs> oh my! Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Because <laughs> okay, so the way this scene works out is, yeah, it seems like this guy has nothing to do with him. 
And he's just, you know, striking up a little bit of conversation. In fact, he actually says in the beginning, hey, brother, I didn't know they let brothers join the FBI. What's going on with you? Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, this must be just some, yeah, some, some guy. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some guy out there, you know. Some Negro. He, yeah. And then he says, uh, he passes along a newspaper to him. And he goes like, hey, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, your chairman might want to know a little bit about the information going on in today's newspaper, you know. And he goes like, huh, what? You know, lifts up the newspaper and he sees there's like a vial or something that I thought was crack. I, I, thought I, I did like... too at first. I'm like, I'm like, crack. Yeah. I'm like, well, they might be able to get him all that, early, but. <laughs> but um, yeah, he slides it over and he says like, hey, you know, how about you just, you know, put that in a drink tomorrow? He's so like, what the fuck? And he's like, wait, what are you trying to say? It's like, it's not going to kill him, man. You, we heard what you said. We're just going to make him a little sleepy. I was like, what? Like, it was such a disorienting moment. I was like, what the fuck? But who is this? Yeah, it's like, who, who is this man? What is he about to do? Yeah. And and again, when I first saw it, I didn't think he was involved with the feds uh, in any capacity. But then you see the scene at the end where he goes like, hey, who are you, man? Show me a badge, you know, da, da, da. And he's like, huh. all right, brother. And, and he gets, he, like, he's getting in his car. He's just about to drive off. And he like, you know, hands him a, hands him a, a little mini wallet yep. and drives off. And then he opens it up and it's Lakeith's fake ID. So he's like, Oh fuck! Someone's got my number. Wait a fucking minute. Yeah, that <laughs> that whole sequence itself is is probably one of my favorite so in the movie. Tense. It's, yeah, it's like it's tense, it's mysterious, and you don't really get answers. Um, yeah, it just you don't up, get a resolution. Yeah, it, it just sets up more queries further. Um, I just remembered. Did we skip Jake going on the hunt for police officers? Oh, we did. It, that was the fucking action sequence. That shit was oh my God. crazy. Yo. And again, it's a fucking, um, what's, what's that movie I, I mentioned earlier? What, John uh, Wick? Uh, John Wick style, like, action scene where it's yeah. just like, motherfuckers get hit and you hear, like, the sound engineering where it's just like, I don't want to be in this goddamn gunfight. Like, bullets are hitting shit, like, frequently getting <laughs> and you feel the impact of it through the sound editing and all that shit where you're just like holy fuck i want to get out of this fucking thing i'm not even in the scene and i want to fucking duck yeah. <laughs> like in, in the, just the setup in context for like you know um the whole shit that happened to to jimmy trying to break up the thing with the cops then mm. him getting beat down and, and arrested and jake goes to visit him and the cop won't let him visit him he's trying to give him the, the books then he gets wheeled away and murdered fucking murdered um assassinated and jake wants answers jake doesn't get answers jake decides to go on a vigilante justice run and this man Mm -hmm. is like he really is on his john wick shit he was killed i think he killed at least three (laughs) cops yo that scene where it was like there was a swedish officer i believe like he shot one dude yeah and then there was another guy that was like that we were kind of following and there was actually a cool little uh sound engineering part where you hear like the steam escaping like like right as you see the the cops flashlight flash through the steam i thought that was a really cool moment um but yeah he's like just like the scared looking cop who's just like walking around and then he gets shot down uh by jake like uh, so that he's like incapacitated but still still like alive and then like Jake just like walks over to him and just has this big ass gun in his face yeah. and then the cop's just like no no please don't <laughs> and then um and then I think there was like the last cop that was on the ground pleading for his life cause even that one got me up I'm like fuck cause what was he I saying like, he had like a family shit. or some shit like that and, and I have think, a what 
wasn't he? Did he say he had a family or some shit like that? I think he was like pleading for his life, and Jake just like, sorry. <laughs> pat, pat, pat. <laughs> uh, but then like Jake got lit up uh, by some other. I actually thought I was gonna get away with it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit. Did he just like kill three cops and he's gonna get away? No. No. <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> no, he isn't. <laughs> All right, movie. I feel like they're telling you, you know this story in the most real way they can yeah. while still giving you like guttural visceral action moments that right. that pull you along for where the plot's going you know and i think that's really cool like i like that this felt like a movie movie and not just a all right guys it's time to watch an important movie now you know like how a lot of right. like, historical black dramas can feel you know what i mean like it's not it's not overly preachy and i think a big thing about it which is um, as we, as we kind of get near the, near the climax of things, um, is perspective. And I think, and this bothered me mm. because, uh, I'll have to find the review and send it to you, but there was this, there was somebody who critiqued the movie because she thought it was a very poor representation of the life and death of Fred Hampton. And I'm like, well, it's not about mm. Fred Hampton. It's about Bill O'Neill and the FBI. Yep. That's it's why it's called Judas, Judas in the Black Messiah. <laughs> like if anything, you know... Fred Hampton is a secondary character in this movie. Like, he is in the title. But, although I do feel like we we did get to learn a lot about him. So I, yeah. I don't know, yeah, where that's coming from. Yeah, it's. It, I, I think the, the complaint was like, oh, it's it does a poor job at kind of representing uh, the, the full and kind of like complex life about Fred. I'm like, well, it's not about Fred. It's about Bill. And, yeah. and like, it's the circumstances. And how he ruined everything. Yeah, how, <laughs> how bitch-ass Bill O'Neill ruined all of the shit. <laughs> It's like, and it's about a lot of how these things carry over from the past to the present. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's like, it's not, it's not a biopic about Fred. It's a narrative yeah. about Bill and the type of context and decisions that were made in a very, very, very tense time for a man. Well, actually, and we'll get into this later, a boy who grew into a man. Mm. Um, who got thrown into, yeah. he got handed a shit situation that only got infinitely worse the longer he stayed in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, that, you know, the whole scene of Lakeith asking them to do something radical that would only cause chaos and make them look like a terrorist organization, right? Mm. It's like, but then I wrote, you know, in, in my in my notes, you know, about the C4 scene, I was like, oh, it's definitely, totally not fair here because, like, the police totally bombed the shit out of them, but... Right. But we can't bomb them back? Violence, yeah, but the current act of violence of bombing them wouldn't be defensive, which is what the Panthers are supposed to be about, right? Like, it's only supposed to be self-defense. Right. Uh, in fact, the, I like how they, they showed one scene where a uh, real skinny black dude, like, walked in on a scene with, like, these two cops uh, arresting this dude, and he's like, what are you arresting them for, sir? And they're like, you know, shut the fuck up. Who gives a fuck? And he's like, oh, no, that's not how it's going down. And then, like, he fucking shoots the cops and they shoot back at him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was Jimmy. No, I, I think that was Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Now, I do feel like the way I remember it mostly being told when it came to Black Panthers uh, was what it would be is, like, someone would be getting arrested and then, like, a slew of Panthers would be together mm -hmm. and, like, have their guns at the ready, uncocked just waiting to see what the police would do. Like, as soon as the police does something, then they do something. Like, okay, right. you pull out your gun when he's not doing something. Okay, now we're pulling out our guns. Right. Like, now what? You know, and that's what the point is supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? So I would have loved if there was a specific scene like that, but, you know, you still kind of get the general idea. Yeah, I, I think the purpose um, of that was more so to, as we've been introduced to Jimmy and Jake separately, 
it was more so to so like what led up to the motivation for jake kind of going on his killing spree later and how he died i i see yeah um so it's kind of like it was it, it was kind of pointed of like that's the reason why he was probably isolated but i definitely see the point that you're saying though like realistically the panthers probably didn't travel alone too much you know if they're yeah if they're all be panther business <laughs> yeah oh my god so bitch ass bill o'neill <laughs> bill. it's at the it's at the scene where you know everyone's hanging out and it's nighttime in the uh in the compound um they're trying to figure out what to do because he's he's getting these like arraignment charges or whatever the fuck it is they're bogus charges but they're still trying to bother him and do all this types of shit and, you know, the people are talking about how, like, okay, what can we do to help you out? Should we move into South Africa? Should we move into Cuba? Should we do this? And he just has this moment where we're like, you guys are thinking more about me than the time. Like, we're using this time to think about me in the same time we could be using to focus on the people and getting them help. And we need to, you know, like, I, I like that sort of character scene where it's just like, okay, but to do this would be to not care about what our goals are. You know, right. and I, I like that sort of like selflessness that they kind of gave him in his last words um, as Lakeith Sanford says, hey, uh, I think I need a drink. You, you want a refill, chairman? And there's so much pain in his eyes. Yeah. As he says that line. But again, it's sold in that way where it's just like it's not oversold in a way that, you know, a character would be like, are you OK? What's wrong? But it's like just enough where you're like the audience feels that dramatic tension but it's just like, but I'm just saying a thing. Hey, you want to you want to drink, Chairman? You know? And it's like, oh, and he gets his bitch ass out of there. Um, and then the feds come in, in and shoot up the place like a bunch of fucking cowards that ran out of ideas. <laughs> like, right. honestly, when you think, like, when you think about this whole thing through the framing of, you know, when you think about it just in terms of like, hey, here are these black people trying to get by and they keep getting messed with and they don't really know what's happening, but they're doing the best that they can against it. Like, things seem a little like, you know, uh, uh, wonky and like there's just forces that are just trying to move in and do stuff. But when you think about it in terms of how the movie sets up with like J. Edgar Hoover is fucking pounding on his desk trying to figure out how the fuck to get rid of these guys. They're trying to do all the smart shit that they think they can do to try to make things go smoothly. And then finally they're just like, fucking just kill him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, fuck you, you know? And yes, it's that historical recreation that they did where there was one gun uh, um, that was shot from uh, Fred Hampton's uh, compound, and it was only shot up because what people believe is, like, as soon as the knock was on the door and and someone said, "Who is it?" the police just shot through, which they absolutely fucking did. Yeah. And uh, and uh, one of the uh, one of the Panthers was holding the gun up, like as in not forward. They were just holding it up, Upward. you know, at the ready, but not not about to shoot. And so when the shots happen and the gun goes off, it just shoots. There's only one bullet that's like up in the ceiling or something like that, and all the rest of the bullets are just coming from uh, from outside. Yeah, no one misses and... like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh my god, the way the movie ends. So when it comes to all historical films, I'm always kind of fascinated and pulled in at some point because I'm always like, how do you end? a thing that's just about life that kind of keeps going on and there's no real, you know, resolution. You know what I mean? They're still around. Yeah. Like Rocket Man is like, you know, he's still here. (laughs) Chilling. Yeah. And I really appreciated the way they wrapped it up. I do too. Uh, Did you get the same unintended sensation that I did when they did the actual uh, assassination of of Fred Hampton? Now, I will say, 
I do like the way that it's shot. I do like the way it's framed. It's not glorified, um, which I really appreciate. I've had a major problem with a lot of Hollywood movies kind of glorifying black trauma and black violence, uh, which is one of the reasons I I feel you. I was pretty apprehensive to watch this movie at first, but I'm like, yeah, give it a shot. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think they make the scene look realistically like tense and confusing, which is like what a shootout would really look like. Right. Like, right. Um, so the actual assassination, and I know this wasn't on purpose because it was filmed long before this happened, but the immediate thing that came to mind was the the murder of Breonna Taylor. Yeah. The, um, just like the context and everything was way too, just like weirdly, cryptically coincidental. It, it very much and, like threw me off. And also like... You know, just as the scene was happening, I remember they introduced like, "Oh yeah, his wife's pregnant." Yeah, these people are shooting in a fucking pregnant woman. It's like all oh, these fucking cops don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, the the whole sequence is like just this. It's like chaos. It's confusion, but it's also just like heartlessly vile. Yeah, um, it's it's just like it's just so insidious. The just pure lack of humanity like especially it's like yeah let's hypothetically if we're in a situation where you got to go against a terrorist you don't even have the balls to like you know go in there while they're up right no no you sneak in through the side and in like the side door and the front and blow through the front door like a bitch like unarmed uh, like barely armed unguarded and they're and they're all shouting like there's a pregnant woman in here. She's pregnant. Yeah. You know, no warning, no nothing. Just in there, straight for murder. Straight for murder. It's just so In fact, I think there was there was this yeah, there was a part where like you see in their fucking legs are like shot to shit and they're yeah. like, Fucking get up, get up. It's like my fucking it's legs, like his are, legs are gone. Like, he can't get up. He was like, I don't give a fuck, get up. I was like, God damn that scene of the dude just having to force himself to get up anyway because like i know they're not gonna care so i have to right it's like holy fucking shit defund the police goddamn it. Right. It, <laughs> it, it, it was it was a case where i'm like it, it managed to balance two very difficult things which i think is really impressive like handling it's handling a very confusing and disgusting and chaotic situation but in a way that did not seem overly graphic like yeah, or exploitative exactly yeah. it, it wasn't like ex- exploitative of of the circumstances i'm like no this it feels realistic but it's not like leaning it's not like fucking quentin tarantino let me zoom in on the wounds let me right right it just <laughs> let me show you getting headshots like, it's like no holy fuck that person's dead yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's the shock rather than like the hyper glorification of, of the yeah violence. i get what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. uh then like a lingering sort of like oh look at this isn't this all yeah, yeah yeah um then we get the way it kind of ends with uh roy talking to um oh yeah and, and it was literally lakeith stanfield's character's fault because right yes. before this scene happens uh roy tells him to draw a a, a blueprint of the uh actual black panther compound so it is very directly his fault um at least here it is so yeah and so at the at the tail end roy 
uh, says, all right, you know, you, you done your job. You know, we don't need you for any of da 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 da. And uh, we're, here's uh, here's some money, and you know, here, here's a little package. You you might want to open that up. And he opens it up. It's like some money and and keys to a gas station. He's like, yo, man, that's a promised legal money. You know, da da da. You know what I'm saying? Like you get to start your own business. Don't have to do anything illegal. And I was like, wow, literally. Trading blood for oil money. Yeah, that sounds about American. <laughs> boy, boy, that's American. Where'd you get this from? Ah, don't worry about it. It's just yours. It's just yours. <laughs> and the movie ends uh, with just like him pocketing the money and then smash cutting to black as you hear like dramatic music swelling and the first sentence that basically says, so yeah, he went on to keep being a snitch and got out scot free and got like two hundred thousand dollars in that nineteen seventies money. Right. <laughs> and like it was just like and usually when movies do the thing where it's like it's the end of the movie and now here's a bunch of sentences explaining what happened afterwards. I usually don't like that because it's just like why didn't you show this part? Why are you showing? Why did you show all that happened and not the right. part that's like the resolution of what happened? You know what I mean? But with this, it was so like had you smoldering from the reality of what was happening because you have the end of his character piece of like okay well we know what he's going to be from now on you know because he pockets that shit and goes like all right like he's not he he doesn't seem cheery about it but he's still fucking doing it so (laughs) um and then you have so it kind of gives you sentences of what happened Fucking, we 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 do get the resolution of knowing that after fucking a, a decade and a half longer than it should have been, uh, the 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 people who had to deal with getting shot by those police uh, did finally get some sort of monetary justice. Yeah. Uh, by, by getting uh some money after uh after having to fucking keep that case in the court for like like we said over a decade and a half, but you know there was some sort of resolution for for the victims involved. Uh, after they had to do their own fucking investigation and all that sort of shit. But, yeah, I know. Um, and then you cut to, uh, so at the beginning of the movie, it looked like Lakeith Sanfield, dressed in older makeup, was playing uh, Bill O'Neill. Yeah, and then at the tail end, you actually see Bill O'Neill, and (laughs) the the visceral feeling that you have is just kind of like smoldering there still, you're just like... It was you. Yep. <laughs> but he, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what, what, what is his justification? What does he say to himself at night? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's like, you know, they ask, like, you know, what would you say to your son about, you know, what you did? You know, and he says, like, uh, and you're kind of getting like, you know, from the from the horse's mouth, like, what is this person thinking? He's just like, uh, I don't know what to tell him other than I was a part of the struggle. Uh, you know, I wasn't an armchair revolutionary. You know, I at least I had a point of view. And I had the courage to put it on the line, you know, and um, I think I'll let the, you know, I'll let history speak for me. And I just want to say, everything he said was bullshit up until I'll let history speak for me. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, part of the struggle, oh, I wasn't an archer. Well, the, you literally got people counted by a point of view. Yeah, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> yeah, and so with, with the closing, because I think it was a really strong way to close of showing the actual because i understand where you're coming from where i'm sitting there at the end i, I called him a race trader earlier is like i <laughs> you're fucking furious you know you know that he had something to do with the 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 death of fred hampton be it putting the powder in his drink be it you know leaving the architect if if at least some of the information from from the film is to be read is, is at least moderately factual yeah um but what got me 
is is I'm like I'm like how the fuck and so when listening to that last statement of him talking about it's like I was a part of the revolution and it's like it's like yes and no because yes you participated yes you <laughs> helped it but you also worked counterintuitively to it at the same yeah, it's time like, how can you say that yeah, so it's like, knowing damn well yeah it's like one step <laughs> forward two steps back but then you get the bombshell as I would yeah. wager most people Oof. don't know that after like what was it two weeks after that interview he committed suicide no, it, okay so the eyes on the prize interview yes. had come out on Martin Luther King Day in 1990 like January 19th I think and then uh if I'm not mistaken what it said was, was he committed suicide later that night after it aired uh which, let's see woof April 13th 89 he did the interview it's interesting so it was like January 15th 1990 um, he ran into traffic on an interstate and was hit by a car and killed. And so his death yeah. was ruled a suicide. So, a, a, and it's like, yeah, as, as far as we know, it was a suicide. However, oh. there, there, there is the theory that Whoa. government going to government. <laughs> So that, that, but that's just like what, and that was something that they had brought up that's like, it's, it is interesting that he did like an interview less than a year prior. And then within that time, you know, happened to, to also commit suicide. So Fuck, it's like, man, seems like it needs to be a goddamn part two to this fucking story. Right. Cause it's just like, it's, and like, and maybe it, it could have been a suicide. It, very well because like how do you live with how do you live with yourself how do you sleep at night probably not very well after all of that shit yeah i can't imagine he did yeah but it's just like and i'm not trying to put out like a conspiracy theory but it's definitely because i'm like well that's an interesting you know idea yeah because that i hadn't like the way it was framed in the movie it was just like oh suicide maybe just slit his own throat i didn't know it was a yeah specifically what looked like an accident yeah so it's just like you know you get hit by a car and die at 40 like that could that could be a suicide, yeah, yeah. But that's a that's a pretty big way to go. Shit, man. But um, holy fuck, this movie's heavy. So uh... the the thing I wanted to bring up that I mentioned earlier though, uh, is oh yeah, in regards to historical context, is that um, Fred Hampton was twenty one, I believe, and when yeah, fuck. When Bill O'Neill was picked up uh, in 66 by, by Roy Mitchell, he was 17. So at the start of the movie, he would have been 17. By the death of Fred Hampton, he would have been like 21, 22? Not past 24, that's for sure. Yeah, not past 24. Um, 69. So he would have been, he would have been about 20, 21. And... What gets me is thinking about it in the lens of historical context, um, thinking about like other young revolutionaries and people out here trying to be activists and whatnot. Um, and, and thinking about every, all of the decisions that we saw Bill, you know, probably embellished you a little bit, but the decisions that he was making through the movie, mm. taking all of that and putting that in the lens of someone who wasn't even like really an adult. This all started yeah, when he was fuck, a man. child. 
Oh shit, man! You just doubled my because right. You see, Lakeith Stanford. This feels like yeah, he, grown up at least twenty seven. Him and Daniel Kaluuya are in like their <coughs> late twenties, early thirties. So when you see the movie, you're like, yeah. oh, these are grown men, and that vitriol grows, and you're like this is disgusting. This is vile. How you could do that? You put this in the lens of, you know, these are two boys growing into men, like fucking babies. When yeah, you think about it. Like, like, fuck, Fred Hampton. I I've, have lived life longer than, than Fred Hampton did. And that's one of, like we were talking about earlier. So that's one of those, um, that's just one of those cases where we're like, fuck, like 20, like 17 year old me getting pulled by the fucking FBI. Yeah. And they're like, right. Look, Putting that in perspective you... as well. Right. So there's, and so, and you're thinking about this. So like paralleling what happened in the movie. So, so I made a good point. It's like, I think the casting in this movie is very good, but if you got, like Caleb McLaughlin oh, man. as like Will O'Neill and actors around like the, the kids from like when they see us. That, right, the that kids age, from Dope or something like that. Yeah. You know? That age range, seeing like if you've seen what a teenager looks like. I work with teens. I work with young adults. I know what they look like. That would drive the point home on an insane level. Um, <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> you guys were torturing children. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> these people should be in college or some shit what the fuck government yeah like black panthers remember because black panthers were like what high school college shit civil rights movements yeah. was teenagers because yeah because snick and all that stuff yeah it, it was started by uh yeah people in high school and stuff yeah yeah like the you know not just the montgomery bus boycott but the um the the what was it the the Alabama like school walkout where all the kids skip school to go and like protest mm-hmm. and shit like those were teenagers so it's and you know it's interesting yeah. you say that because it's like you know we think about like grand historical things in terms like what w- what would you have done in such and such time that would have meant something to the overall thing of da 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 but yeah when you put that in perspective like right now you know at the end of this movie him as a grown man doing what he's done and be like man fuck you you were awful you know what I'm saying but then when you say it like you did you transport like. I was a 17-year-old fucking government agent Yeah, <laughs> told me I should infiltrate this thing. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, you, you know, we could say the the grand, in the grand scheme, what we're supposed to do. But as an individual, when it breaks down to individualistic things, like, what are you as a person who only has one life and, and no idea what the fuck your next meal is coming from or whatever the extenuating circumstances are going to be, you know, for, for your life? What are you going to do now? Right. <laughs> you know? so Like, yeah, that, that puts it so much into... It's a sharp relief the reality of what these people were going through. That that's why I separate so. Bill O'Neill the character from Bill O'Neill the the person just because like the time context because like I know it's he's supposed to be allegedly playing seventeen year old I'm like it's a big ass seventeen year old I've seen some big seventeen year old <laughs> but shit um but it's like thinking about like him as the character I don't it's like I can comprehend it given the context but it's like but like i can walk away from movies like that adaptation of a real life person it, it's like separating hamilton the stage person from the actual <laughs> alexander hamilton like lit like put right. puerto rican ponytail hamilton yeah it, it's a good ass show but i'm pretty sure the original dude like still contributed to selling slaves so yeah. I don't... <laughs> you know, bald, light-skinned george washington so it's kind of the same mindset <laughs> i can i can separate the the artistic aspect from the reality of it but if you take into like historical context the decisions made with the real life figure um because there's a sprinkle of truth in it and the parts that are true are the parts that make it a thousand times more horrifying 
So it's like, yeah, like Fred Hampton was making these decisions uh, at a time where I was like going to college parties and like, right. Like, like, like we were uh, running from the police girl. in a completely different context. <laughs> <laughs> he he's running for shit that matters i was running because like oh fuck i'm 20 and i'm not supposed to be drinking at this house <laughs> yeah oh no i'm not gonna be able to finish college if they catch me yeah it's like oh no i could be kicked out of my bs meanwhile motherfuckers are getting shot and like that is so but 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 you have to think about it. for the right for you to go to go to college yep. and you know circ on your duties <laughs> right but you have the right goddammit. right it's it's uh, it's just a it's it, this is such a good movie but it's like if you add yeah, on man, the historical the context fuck. of everything it immediately becomes all of the decisions made get immensely more intense cuz it's like think about you know fucking 20 year old bill o'neill getting someone you know, apparently Wayne is just like the personification of however he got a drug. Um, is told it's like, hey, should slip this in his drink. Should put him to sleep. You're 20 years, like 20, 21 years old, barely able to drink, just able to vote. <laughs> um, yeah. And you're told you hold a man's fate in your hands, essentially. Because like, if Fred Hampton woke up that night, we don't know. But there's a slim possibility he might still be around. We don't know. But because mm. of the decisions of one person, we we don't have he's gone. You know, a guy that seemed pretty pretty well intentioned, like but also he's young. Yeah, he's gonna make some mistakes and fuck up like any young person. I'm young, I do stupid shit all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just like you know he he was Yeah, I, I love how a movie like I, I do love how a movie like this can put you in that funk where you're like, man, I want this to be the cut and dry thing, but fuck, when I look at the the circumstances of all the people involved, I I can't just go, you know, this person's. I mean, Jagger Hoover, fuck him forever, oh, yeah. but F- fuck Jagger yeah. Hoover forever. To I hope you know Lil Nas X steps on him in hell with his boots. Um, <laughs> as he as he uh, as he uh, pulls down, yeah, but descends. <laughs> my work isn't finished yet. I was the first thing his boot spur hits. <laughs> right, Jagger Hoover's bushy ass, ugly eyebrows. Um. <laughs> But uh, on that good note, uh, <laughs> this has been a review new podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out all the other exclusive episodes, be sure to check us out on the uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash review a new podcast. And until next time, I'm DJ. And I'm Will. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say, I am the proletariat. I am the people. I am not the pig. You got to make a distinction. God damn it. Don't